This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I'm Holly Snape. I'm from Community Waikato. Big surprise for those of you who listen to this regularly. Um, Annette Evans with me today. Thank you for joining me, Annette. I love coming in and talking on your shows, Holly. Well, that's that's fantastic. Appreciate that. We'll get you back more often. (laughs) Excellent. We're um, going to talk about Insight Endometriosis, uh, the organisation you have been overseeing for how long now? Oh, I don't know, quite a long time. We've been a charitable trust since 2007. Did you establish the organisation? No, we have a founder called Hayley who who set it up as um, back in 1999. She put an ad in the paper, in a story, uh, wondering if there were people interested and um, 18 people piled into her lounge and wow. we kind of went, yeah, there's probably a need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that, that's a really good point. So, so you were established... Um, Wow, 20, 23 years ago. You were not teenagers anymore. No, you're not. You're grown up. Oh. <laughs> um, established about 23 years ago. You've been there for, um, you know, certainly the, the hard end of all of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Through, through the growth. Yeah, through, yeah absolutely. And, um, and, and I think what's really interesting, well, I mean, maybe it's because I'm very aware of you, but it seems to me that there's, it seems to be a greater growing understanding of what endometriosis is and that it, is a genuine thing that impacts women. This is not just a period pain, throw it away comment, you know. No, no, it, it's actually interesting to see the societal changes, I guess, that have happened. And mm. actually, interesting you mentioned that, I was reading recently Lydia Coe's, mm. or saw her comments um, that she made to, to a journalist who looked quite uncomfortable, well, sounded quite uncomfortable. Yes, yes. Um, but fantastic that she just talks so openly about how... Um, I mean, that wasn't endometriosis for her. That was um, some some pain, but tightening of muscles. Mm, mm. I gather it's not endometriosis. You may correct me. Uh, not not that I'm aware of. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it is interesting that it got. Um, I guess it's interesting from a whole heap of aspects. One one is she was happy to 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 talk about it, share it so openly, eh? And 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 his reaction to, to it. Um, yes. But equally, there have been you know a lot of public comments made about that and and that tension between um, being open about you know what, a, a, a effectively a natural bodily function that happens to half the population yeah um, versus people that are still you know quite um, nervous yeah. I guess, about talk you know it's not the sort of topic you bring up around the the, the, the dinner the, table, the dinner or, table yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah there there is a real tension there um I loved though just how relaxed she was in having that conversation and even better certainly the responses I've read from people have been overwhelmingly in support um of of her response absolutely yeah and and isn't it fascinating because I don't think it would have quite worked that way you know back when we were founded no. 1999, the conversation would have been a lot more awkward both ways. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So let's get into it and talk a bit about who you guys are as endometriosis and what it is you're trying to do. Hmm. So I, I guess we're, we're, we're trying to do a whole heap of things. We started as a, originally a support organisation. So you know, Hayley with her 18 people uh, f- 
you know was the foundation of of that support and uh, so that's that's kind of in our in our DNA really yeah um, but when we got to about a hundred people involved we asked everybody are you happy with us just trucking along running support groups and and everyone said no we want to change outcomes for 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 the you know for the people who haven't been diagnosed yet mm. and um, well, because it can take go through the same thing. It can take quite a long time for diagnosis, can't it? Yeah, we we did a study back 2010, 2011 um, for a local women, and at that point, we found 15 years was the average that they were saying it took. So half of a lifetime for them to be diagnosed. There's been a recent piece of research that puts it at 8.7 years. Um, having said that, it takes five doctors on average um, that they've consulted in that time to, to get to that point. So it has improved, but Do we've got you, a long way to go. I mean, this is probably a question you can't answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there any evidence of a gender bias in, in um, diagnosis? I think there's a gender bias across health issues altogether, and that's been in the news a bit recently, you know, um, women have traditionally been seen as small men has been the comment yes. that was a, a, <laughs> yeah. a sports medicine um, yeah. uh, specialist made recently and and I've certainly read read books around around that mm. where effectively women have not been researched uh, no, no. For, for a long time and it, it's now something that's accepted in the research community but it means that we're decades behind. behind. That's right. I'm wondering, though, if, um, if female doctors are more likely to diagnose it than male or if there's no evidence or, you know, exploration of that. Or Anecdotally, we find it's the opposite. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I find it fascinating that um, a lot of people who've gone to see those multiple GPs, it's, it's often been, um, you know, they'll feel comfortable talking with a woman and, you know, they probably get more of a response perhaps from a male GP because they're thinking, oh, gosh, this woman's plucked up the courage perhaps to come and talk to me about a sensitive issue. And it's not just, oh, there I go, I'm using that word, just. Yeah. <laughs> not just period pain. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be fertility issues that take people along, or painful intercourse or a whole bunch of other sometimes yeah. quite random <laughs> sounding <laughs> symptoms and and often um, I think maybe the GPs look at it with fresh eyes and yeah. go actually that sounds a bit you know like something's going on yeah. um, whereas perhaps some female GPs might be looking at going well that's just period pain yeah that's normal that's normal <laughs> yeah so uh, you know I, I, I don't want to put a gender bias no. on things and I think I think premising that with being anecdotal it probably is quite important um yeah and maybe we notice it more when we've been dismissed by a woman I don't know you you're, you're, you prob- know? you're probably right with <laughs> that because that that is um you know people probably take it quite badly that oh my gosh um, yes I uh, wish I'd been picked up years ago is the most oh. common oh, I bet. sentiment. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you started out as, as I suppose, at peer support, um, but then got word from from your base mm. um, that actually we want you to be a bit more active. Mm. How has that translated for you as an organisation? Yeah, so what it meant, I guess, strategically is we had to form a charitable trust mm. um, because you, you can't go around doing... Um, uh, a whole heap of stuff that that's an unincorporated body. So, uh, you know, the two things they wanted from us was around raising awareness yeah. with the wider populace and um, 
and also um, you know information that would inform decision making mm. and um, and so that required a bit more resourcing and um, and so the decision was made to transition to a to a trust so that's why we have if anyone's seen our our, our little logo we've got three little kuru on there and that's what that's about is the three different aspects that we've been focused on yeah that's awesome was that when you came on board was it about that point yeah yeah so i was involved in the transition to the trust yeah Mm. yeah um I mean, the work that you do has been fantastic. I love seeing you guys pop up in the most um, unusual of places at times, but um, it's been a great way to engage, I suppose, the public. You know, I'm thinking of expos I've been Mm -hmm. to and, and, you know, you're there talking about, um, you know, I suppose you have these really fun little surveys that people can answer. Wonderful way to educate. We play games with people because no one casually wants to just walk past an expo where they come to have some fun and chat about period pain and the like. So so, so we we play little games and... um, and, and they can win a prize, and yeah. and um, and it, it's a conversation starter, easing easing into a conversation. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Do you find in starting those conversations with people, you sometimes have women suddenly go, "I actually think I may have had a problem." Quite often. Yeah. And um, you know, particularly some of the um, ethnicities that don't casually talk about menstruation or fertility problems. Yeah. And, you know, I distinctly remember a, a Maori couple that we had um, engaged with us and, um, you know, they were just about in tears and it was only a five-minute conversation. And it, and it was around, but I've been putting up with fertility um, issues now for years and my doctor's just been reassuring us that, you know, just it just takes time. But I've had all this pain for a long time. You know, they'd obviously never connected those two things together. And they came along a few months later to one of our seminars and, and, and walked in the door and they said, you changed our lives that day. And I kind of went, oh, had a little moment. I just got the chills when you said that. And, and I did too. And it's like, well, since then they'd been, you know, gone and seen fertility associates, gotten a, they hadn't had a diagnosis, but they were on a path and yeah. they just felt more confident that, and, and all it took was literally a five-minute conversation at an expo yeah. um, to, to just make them think, oh, gosh, you know, maybe there is a problem, maybe I should go and get it investigated. And it just empowered them with a bit of information. I think that's marvellous. Um, and it, it kind of makes me think as well around this new system we've got coming up. So we've got we've got a transition from DHBs relatively soon, um, mm. coming up in, I think it's June, yeah, end of June th- they wind th- 30th up. 30th of June, 1st of July is that transition. Yeah, mm. and, and then we go into a new um, system with Health New Zealand and um, the Māori provider as well, which is going to be, mm. I think, quite different. Mm. Do you anticipate that having an impact on the type of work that you do and how you engage with the more clinical side of endometriosis? Yeah, this this is all a heap of uncertainty and it's not just for us, it's for all the other community health organisations um, na- nationwide as well. And, and you know, we, we kind of don't know what's going to happen. Um, it would be nice to think that lived experience can help shape the health system and I think that community health organisations have a great deal to offer in that space. Yeah. Um, you know, we are the experts of lived experience. We can distill that knowledge very effectively. We're, we're very cognisant of what, um, 
you know pe- people want and mm. and what they're not getting yeah and uh, some of which is clinical and some of which is is much broader than that clinical need um and and yeah will it you know will we be called upon is is the big question um and it is all happening quite quite a pace as yes. you say first of july is really just around the corner i guess it will take time to transition the reality is it's we're not going to have a magic wand and things will be different between yes. you know, the 30th of June and the 1st of July. Um, but what exactly things will shake down and look like is, is our big mystery. But we would be keen to be involved in, in that and I feel we have a lot to offer. It's quite hard to identify where the pathways to involvement are. Yeah, it is. And we've been looking at all the documents and trying to get engaged with the process and... Uh, and, it, and it's not easy. It just seems to be, you mm. know, at this stage, a lot of bits of paper. Yeah. Um, and and really, it's all about relationships. Um, um, you know, people, and and that's fundamentally, you know, the the goal or the, uh, you know, how they're going to work mm. um, on paper is through people, and uh, so I think there's certainly a lot of potential and a lot of hope and. Uh, so I guess we're quietly optimistic, but the the, the, the proof is what happens in practice. Yeah, most definitely. I'm really curious to see if, you know, having a, a dual system um, progresses the outcomes for Māori that, you know, certainly our previous system has done quite a disservice to tangata whenua. Oh, you look at the statistics and it, it's, it's quite appalling... Um, you know the outcomes are very disparate and yeah. it's very stark yeah. um, there needs to be change so this is this is um the opportunity for that and so i think that's what gives me a little bit of hope um that that this is actually being put in place um so ho- hopefully genuine opportunities um of a by maori for maori model mm. um we're going to take a short break when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more to Annette about some of the projects you've got some really interesting things um, happening on the ground at the moment so when we come back we will have a conversation about that in the meantime we're going to listen to a little bit of Blondie
of Blondie with the Tide is High. Um, here with Annette talking today about endometriosis. Annette is uh, from Insight Endometriosis, been there many, many years, done amazing things. Um, we were talking off air about uh, a few other things like the impact of COVID um, on, on what's happening for women's health in this space. But before we get, to, if we get time, we're going to talk about that. But in the in the meantime, I did want to talk about some of the projects that you guys um, are, and, and your partnerships <laughs> that are occurring for you guys. So do you want to share a bit about what's happening at Insight Endometriosis? Yeah, I guess yeah, collaboration is a good word at the moment because, yeah. you know, we're a small team. We can't do everything on our own and we also want to reach new communities. Um, so one thing, for instance, is a, a collaboration we've currently got with Sport Waikato. And that's trying to to get healthy movement in for a younger demographic. Um, so it's pretty important that we, you know, try and get that youngest under 25 um, involved in healthy movement. And mm. uh, you know, w- we ask them what are what are what are they looking for? They can't participate in um, in sports, and they you know what they've written reads like victim impact reports. Really. Oh, really? And uh, you know they're doubled up in pain. Yeah. So, um, so for them being involved in some form of healthy movement um, is really beneficial. So, can you tell me, is healthy movement genuinely impact um, you know a woman's health when they have endometriosis? Yeah, it's it's one of those big lifestyle change things that um, people can do for themselves too, which is. You know, you go to a doctor, you get medication, and so on. You, that's that's getting help from other people. People want to know what they can do for themselves, and 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 exercise and healthy movement has a big part to play in um, in managing endometriosis, which is a chronic, lifelong condition. When you say healthy movement, what do you mean by that? Like, what can that look like? It, it can look whatever it needs to look like, and that's why there's this six-week course that um, is being hosted. Um, to explore, you know, what that might look like, um, and and it could be, you know, stretching. It could be walking. Generally, low impact, moderate yep. activity is um, is what what's called for. Um, but that that could be as simple as putting on your walking shoes and, and go for a walk down the down the street. Yeah. Or you might, you know, meet up with friends that you've met in that class, and um, that's kind of partly what we want to see happen as well. You know, antenatal classes aren't just about yes. learning the antenatal stuff. It yep. Actually, there is a cohort that forms, and that's what we'd like to see come out of this as well. Fantastic. That That is awesome. Let's ignore that. Um, so you're saying you're partnering with Sport Waikato. How does mm. that look for you guys? Yeah, it's actually really easy because uh, they wanted already to get... Um, uh, that youngest demographic engaged with more healthy movement, yeah, and so um, so we approached them. Um, you know, there's a good um, space where we both want the same outcomes, yes, and uh, and they had expertise, and we had people wanting to connect with their expertise. So uh, they, you know, developed this program specifically around the needs of that um, that demographic. Yeah. Mm. Okay. You mentioned as well um, a little earlier about a project that you're looking at with Kote Pacifica, was that or, or yeah. yeah? Yeah, so we've done a little bit of work with them uh, raising awareness uh, for their Pacifica communities. So um, initially a conversation with the Samoan um, youth group um, and so that had to happen in um, 
COVID lockdown, which was a bit unfortunate. So we 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 hosted that, um, you know, on on Zoom, yeah, which would have been more effective for that community to be face to face. But anyway, um, but uh, yeah, we want to do more more work with that community because uh, you know that's a, a a community that doesn't openly talk about uh, a lot of menstruation, um, fertility issues, and so on. And because it's community, it's not just individual. And, yeah. And uh, and so you know we kind of feel we get good cut through. Um, so there's both need and opportunity there. Yeah, and no, I think that's fantastic. Um, and you talked about COVID there, so I'm just going to do that little segue <laughs> into how COVID might be impacting diagnosis or treatment or or anything like that at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's had massive impacts, and as soon as we went into that first lockdown, our phone started to ring because really? people were getting you know their scheduled appointments deferred and caused a lot of stress and anxiety. So that whole kind of mental health issue was mm. compounded. Um, but now we've kind of come through that, I guess, everyone will be aware that waiting lists have been um, you know, extended. Um, our concern too would be people who don't even get onto the waiting list, that uh, the, the criteria, that pathway for them into that, into that secondary tertiary care um, is quite restricted at the best of times. Um, and, and again, it's that postcode health issue as well, um, which has just been compounded by can, COVID. Can you explain what postcode health issue refers to? Yeah, so it was in the news um, early on in COVID around people with uh, things like eye conditions that um, they had to score a number of points, and the number of points in, say, South Auckland was different to uh, Waikato is different to Invercargill and the inequity of, of that when they all had effectively the same problem but being treated in different ways mm. and uh, it, you know it has been um, kind of resource focused um, um, rather than best practice focused Yes, and, um, and being able to demonstrate need um, you know it, it, you're still seeing it in the paper every day I read an article today um, someone told, oh, we'll have to wait until you, you can't sleep at night, come back in and see us then, and then you might you know, qualify for um, being referred on. And so we don't even know the extent of the need. Um, mm. You know, We know for endometriosis 1 and 9, um, to put that in perspective, about 180,000, if you just do the math, yeah. um, will be affected. We know in 2019, pre-COVID, 1,800 surgeries through the public health system. Do the math. That would take a mm. hundred years to diagnose. Yeah. Uh, by which time there's five more generations. So, um, pre-COVID, we were struggling. Post-COVID, uh, you know, it, it's definitely worse. And and a lot of it is revolved around resource, but also that whole clinical pathway. Who who gets um, yeah. seen? I think you made a good point off air too when you talked about. Um, you know, some hospitals are meant to be staffed for, say, five gynaecologists, but only have 1.5, whereas another hospital might have the five. So that postcode applies again, doesn't it, about who gets treatment and who doesn't, and it's not based on need. Uh, It's absolutely not. And, you know, there's two issues in that, I guess. If there's only 1.4 staff trying to do the work of five, they're going to focus their efforts on saving life and limb, quite rightly. Yeah. Um, So anything else is just not going to get onto the list. But should there be five? Yeah. You know, should there be ten or twelve? Yeah, you know, yeah that's what, right. What What is yeah. the clinical need? That's right. What and what? How is that number set? Is it set on clinical need across <laughs> a population, or is it set on this is the funding that we expect to come through? 
Correct. And, yeah. and you know, what 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 is that? Who makes that decision in terms of resourcing? And, yeah. uh, and then how do you recruit that resource? Do, yeah. we, do we train? You know, there are not enough specialists that can do uh, the, the quality of care that we need. Yeah. It's a big topic, isn't it? There's it's, a lot in it. There's a massive topic. <laughs> We've only got like a minute left. And in that time, if someone has been listening to us and thinks, you know what, I think I need to touch base with these guys and find out a little bit more. Hmm. Um, is there a website they should look at? Is there a phone number they should call? Yeah, both of those things. So Great. <laughs> website, just have to look at our name. So Inside Endometriosis and you'll find that us. That might be hard to spell. Oh, oh, Google! Google's a great thing. Yes, it, it, it will help with the spelling. Great. <laughs> um, and from there, you can find our contact details. Um, yeah. So that's probably the easiest way. Or Facebook, if you're if you're not a Google fan and you're on Facebook or Instagram, you can track us down on there as well. That's fantastic, and and I would certainly argue well worth doing. You guys do an amazing job in our community. I'm blushing now, Holly. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that is us for another week on Connect with Community Waikato. We will be back same bat time but same bat channel next week until there uh, until then <laughs> can't get there thanks a Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.